0: but I don't need to see everything about my body as beautiful for it to be worthy and for it to serve me well. Beauty is just one component of existence. It's only one descriptor. And I feel like what my body does for me is about more than beauty. I don't know. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that people with PCOS aren't beautiful because come on, we know, I know how (laughs) it is. I know the PCOS folks. (laughs) We have some great and amazing, strong, beautiful people. But I also don't think that you have to feel beautiful to love who you are.
1: Move away from the shame and feel less alone. Welcome to the PCOS and Food Peace podcast, where you will find companionship and never another diet. Hosted by nutrition experts Julie Duffy Dillon and Kimmy Singh. We want to walk alongside your PCOS journey. There's a comfortable spot at the table waiting just for you. Let's begin.
0: Chapter 10, Kimmy Singh on worthiness and chronic conditions.
1: Hi, and welcome to the PCOS and Food Peace podcast.
0: I am Julie Duffy Dillon. And I am Kimmy Singh. We're so glad that you're here with us. We put together this show with you in mind, and we hope that it delivers the companionship that you're looking for as you navigate your PCOS journey.
1: So Kimmy and I have worked hard to put this show together to shine a light on voices often not heard in PCOS circles. You will hear from people like Jess Baker, Ivy Felicia, Danny, Adriana, Sophie Cartercon, and many others. Every interviewee was asked a series of questions about their PCOS journey. We saved the best for last. This episode features Kimmy Singh. Kimmy has a master's degree in nutrition. Also, note, an undergrad in physics. She's a dietetic intern, which, if you're not in nutrition, you may not know what that means. It basically means she's a dietitian in training, she's almost done. But before we get to the interview with Kimmy, which I'm so excited about, Kimmy, uh, we will start how we start every chapter of the PCOS and Food Peace podcast with a listener question. We gather these questions on Instagram, through our Facebook community, or email newsletter.
0: This question comes from our PCOS and Food Peace Facebook community. This is a free non diet group that brings together people with PCOS who are not looking for another diet.
1: Yes, there are way too many of those. And if you're interesting, interested, not interesting, you probably are very interesting, but if you're <laughs> interested in joining our PCOS and Food Peace support community, you can find us on Facebook and I will put a
0: link to it in the show notes. Yes. And so the community asked us this question. I'd love to know more about the lesser known aspects of PCOS, mood disorders, hyperhidrosis, sleep problems, etc. I find that I have a lot of issues like this, and I've always wondered if they do relate to my PCOS. Oh,
1: I love this question. And do you know why? Um, it, I feel like everyone thinks of PCOS because, I mean, ovaries is in the name, that it's just about ovaries and it's about so much else. Like it's so many other things, and that all those things compound on top of each other. Because, of course, PCOS is about, um, Infertility, which is the number one cause of infertility, which I feel like for so many people then leads to um, relationship stuff. It leads to um, depression and um, just a really hard time coping with life decisions and outcomes. I mean, it just makes life hard. But PCOS is also linked to sleep disorders. And I know 75% of people with PCOS have a sleep disorder. So it's happening to a lot of people. but. There's also this hyperhidrosis, which is lots of sweating, right? Isn't that what it is, Kimmy? Hyperhidrosis? (laughs) Unfortunately, yes. (laughs) Um, I I asked that because I'm like, wait, am I remembering this right? But um, because I get hyperhidrosis and the HS, which, oh my goodness. I know we talked about in chapter two with Sophie Carter-Kahn, we talked about HS, the, oh gosh, I can't pronounce it, but it's the one with like the boils (laughs) and the um, skin condition that a lot of people with PCOS have. But there's so many other things that happen. And of course, this person mentioned sleep disorders, or not sleep disorders, she does mention that, but she also mentions mood disorders. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's such a big part of the discussion in our Facebook community is like the mood disorders as they relate to PCOS.
0: Yeah, it's been really interesting for me to watch the conversations unfold in the Facebook group because like... Um, I think a lot of us don't realize that we have this common denominator. And so watching people say, oh, yeah, I felt like I lashed out on people today or I was feeling super angry. And so many people come in saying I have that exact same experience almost every day and it's affecting my relationships. It's affecting my day to day. Um, So I think that's one thing that is not well known. Just how many um, commonalities there are between like moods and PCOS. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, what is that like to connect with other people and know that they're going through something similar? Like, uh,
0: yeah, what is it's that like? Really- it's really grounding for so many reasons, um, and it's been helpful like in my own day to day life. Like when I can kind of feel like a mood thing coming up, I'm like, oh wait, this is maybe P C O S related. Like let me just backtrack and see, mm-hmm. and <laughs> let me let me reassess the situation, and it helps me like with my mindfulness. And um, it makes me kind of feel more in control of it Mm -hmm. because I know what's going on. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like it's not just happening to me. It's happening with me, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I I never thought about it from that point of view. And that's a really um, I feel like the, the thing that's really neat about that is it's easier than to step back from the intensity of the experience when you can name it and identify where it's coming from. You know, and and to not personalize it as much as like I'm doing it wrong, yeah, you know, or not exactly. blaming. Wow, yeah. that's really. Um, I could see how that would be really helpful in just the PCOS journey, and you know, something that I've seen just sitting with people as they experience their mood disorder along with PCOS, and and when I say mood disorder. You know, that can mean depression, that can mean anxiety, it can mean ADD, ADHD, it can be bipolar disorder, it can be so many different types of mood disorders. What I've noticed is that these mood disorders, they have a different kind of vibe than people without PCOS, and I I I'm saying this purely from a clinician point of view. This is not like research based, but like just twenty years of sitting with people who experience PCOS, which I feel like <laughs> has some clout, but it's not Definitely. the same. It's not like evidence, yeah. but it's practice based evidence, and there's a difference that I think as clinicians we need to be really aware of. Because um, you know, someone with anxiety, we can give some really generalized kind of recommendations that work for most people, but with PCOS, namely with anxiety, that's one of the the mood disorders that i see to just be so um debilitating for my clients and um i just want to name that like if if you if you're someone who experiences a mood disorder like anxiety with PCOS and you're wondering like why can't i get my shit together but so and so with P- with anxiety without PCOS is able to get their shit together well maybe because of the PCOS is the the root of the of the um mood disorder and and some people are like well why are mood disorders such a big part of PCOS and something that we know to be true is that PCOS and its genetic connections, it starts in the hypothalamus. And so mood also originates in the hypothalamus. So it just makes sense that that happens. And oftentimes the mood disorder is the first type of symptom people even have before they're even diagnosed with PCOS. So, oh, I could talk about this part all day, but we need to get to your interview, Kimmy, and I'm really excited to get to it. But we're going to pause first for a brief commercial break. This Q&A segment is brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace course. My name is Julie and I help women with PCOS to promote health, make peace with food and radically reconnect with their own innate wisdom. I know it's probably been a long time since you felt like you could align with your body. You've been pushed to diet and diet and diet no matter how hard it is. And I have a feeling just like so many people that we interviewed or this podcast, that you also were dismissed and told just to try harder even when it hurt. Well, after working with hundreds of women with PCOS, I've come up with a 12-step system that helps people with PCOS move away from diets and finally reconnect with that innate wisdom that they were born with. You were born with it too. I believe that you can do things like intuitive eating, mindful eating, all those non-diet approaches that you probably have heard other people do, you can too with PCOS. It just looks a little bit different at times. And that's what this course is all about. It's not at another diet. Oh my goodness, totally not, because I have been working for the last 20 years to help people move away from them. And so this is something that's different and unique and you won't be able to find anywhere else a little bit about the course. It's self-paced and it's all downloadable. So whether you learn best by video, audio, or just reading, you get access to all those different formats. There's also a workbook involved that helps you dive even deeper and a support community that helps you connect with other people going through those 12 steps. The course also includes bonuses like a pre-diabetes or diabetes module. So if you are affected by that, you also can experience Food Peace as well. There's another component to help with advocating for better care, which is oh so important and a really big part of this podcast. So if you're interested in learning more, go to PCOSandFoodPeace.com podcast. There you can connect with This course, and there's also a course for dietitians. So maybe you work with a dietitian or you are one and you want to learn how to do this type of system, I have a course for that too. So go to PCOSandFoodPeace.com slash podcast for all the details. If you decide that the time is right for you to do the course, keep in mind, I have a special podcast coupon code what you do when you go into checkout, it'll ask for a coupon code and just put the word in podcast and you will get 25% off the course. So again, go to PCOSandFoodPeace.com slash podcast and you'll get all the details. And I am so excited for you to check it out. And I really think this is an important step that if the time is right, is something that can help you to feel more at home in your own skin. And honestly, everyone deserves that today because you are worthy and valuable just as you are. I am just delighted to share with you my interview with Kimmy Singh. She's currently a dietetic intern, which means she's almost a dietitian. She finished her master's of science degree in nutrition of spring of 2018 from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. And actually, that's where I met her. She was an intern with me for about two years, and you can check out a bunch of her work at juliedillonrd.com blog. You'll find lots of PCOS resources, and she also has helped moderate the Facebook group it's PCOS and Food Peace Community. You can get to it by clicking on the link in the show notes. So Kimmy is someone who wants to become a health a resized dietitian and also an eating disorder specialist. She presents nationally on the role of weight stigma in healthcare and education. You can find out more about her work at tastingabundance.com or following her on Instagram at the same handle, TastingAbundance. We're gonna to get to Kimmy's interview in just a moment. First, a quick commercial break. Come on. This PCOS and Food Peace podcast is being brought to you by Therologics, the makers of Avocetol, an inositol supplement with a blend of myo-inositol and D-chiro-inositol and the body's optimal ratio of 40 to one. Inositols are nutrients that help to decrease insulin resistance, promote menstrual regularity, restore ovulation and balance hormone levels. In convenient powder form, avocetol can be enjoyed in your favorite beverage or smoothie. Available in both a canister and convenient single serving packets, Avocetol contains 100% pure inositols with no additives. It also is the only inositol supplement that I recommend to my clients with PCOS because it does have that very important 40 to one ratio and is third party tested. Order online today at Theralogix.com. That's T-H-E-R-A-L-O-G-I-X.com. And during checkout, be sure to use my PRC code, one, two, seven, four, one, zero. And you will get an exclusive PCOS and Food Peace podcast discount. Also, be sure to listen to the end of this episode where we will give you the opportunity to win a free 90 day supplies of Avocetol. So go to thorologics.com and use the PRC at code 127410. Come on. Hey, Kimmy. Hey, Julie. Tell me how you figured out you have PCOS.
0: So I was about 19 years old and I went to the gynecologist for my first annual checkup. And at the end of my checkup, my gynecologist said, Hey, by the way, I think you have PCOS. You may have trouble conceiving. Here's a pamphlet. No, no, no. Sorry. She asked her nurse to give me a pamphlet. (laughs) Then she left the room.
1: (laughs) So she like dropped this big bomb and, mm-hmm. on, and this was your first time ever going to the lady doctor, like, yes. oh geez, that's a, I, I wonder, have you found that to be unusual for like the, cause I'm surprised like the first time going to one mm-hmm. fighting out. I feel like so many people end up having to go to all these doctors and everything. And, and uh. you just weren't even, were you expecting that?
0: No, I didn't know what PCOS was. I haven't heard about it. Um, but I kind of thought something was up because I've always had irregular periods. And so when she told me this, I was just completely shocked. I knew nothing about it. Wow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I haven't heard of anybody else that had it, like, had it told to them on the first time they went to mm-hmm. the lady doctor.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, how did she know that you had it?
0: Well, I told her some of my symptoms, like particularly the acne and then the like um, irregular periods. So she's like, I think you might have PCOS. And like then she they gave the pamphlet and then she took some blood work and then somebody from the office gave me a call Mm -hmm. and said, yeah, it's confirmed you have it but that's the only information i received from them and this was um how long ago was this almost 10 years ago so this was before google had a lot of information <laughs> so <laughs> i was able to find some but just enough to catastrophize it all so yeah. how
1: helpful right <laughs> right and well you know what i always say like pcos is not a pamphlet disease like yes. that's that's like strep throat or pink eye it's a pamphlet not PCOS, you know? I think it's yeah. like there's no way that they could give you enough information and yeah. and then at 19 to hear like, "Oh yeah, you may not be able to have children someday." Like, yes. whether you're thinking about that at 19 yet or not, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, I want to ask you another question. How mm-hmm. has your relationship with healthcare professionals been in relation to your PCOS treatment?
0: So, since then, um, after my first diagnosis, it hasn't been, it definitely wasn't great. Like, there was a lot of weight stigma. There was very little explanation. Um, Anybody that knows me knows I'm a very curious person. So, I would come to the doctor with these questions, and the doctors weren't able to answer them, or they would give a very vague explanation. And when I would ask more questions, they would get very impatient. And so um, then, as I've had weight changes, I noticed more weight stigma in healthcare settings. So there was some healthcare avoidance on my end. And it just felt like there was a really rocky relationship with my healthcare providers. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And this all actually changed surprisingly. Because I found an office in, here in North Carolina where they are great and I can't speak highly enough of them. Um, if you are local to the state, they are, it is called Mosaic Comprehensive Care in Chapel Hill. And so this has been a really different experience for me just because I feel like they treat me as a whole human, not just um, a patient running through the door. And so before that, it's just been really negative experiences.
1: Well, you mentioned weight stigma and what was like, one thing about, um, the work that you do is you're able to name it. And, um, you know, what was the, what was the way that you knew that it was the weight stigma that you were experiencing?
0: There were, there are so many different examples. I would say I've had physicians not believe me when I told them what I was eating or how often I was exercising, um they wouldn't ask many questions and they would prescribe weight loss drugs oh um, gosh you know <laughs> yeah. i
1: i find that um when i talk to someone with pcos that that um that experience of not being believed is uh, universal which is makes me want to throw up it's 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 horrible you know that that yeah. is like the typical normal expected experience to have to either have undiagnosed PCOS and bring this information to the doctor or to have PCOS and and just not be believed. And um I feel like that is something someone listening who's maybe in this that place or um just experiences PCOS can totally relate to. Just like and I, I think it's really helpful how you name it. Like that's weight sigma. Like I there's something about yeah putting the name on that experience that um I feel like a, a feminist approach has taught me to do, you know, naming it yeah. puts the the energy where it needs to go instead of like on you and your body and the PCOS, it more is on this oppression, you know? And,
0: yeah, um, exactly. Mm-hmm. And like to any healthcare professionals listening, I mean, there's a ton of research on weight stigma and how it's harmful. So, um, yeah. I don't know. Hopefully yeah. it stops sooner, sooner than yeah. we expected to stop. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you know, I know for me listening to, as a dietician, listening to what people were telling me before I really started to specialize in PCOS, the first probably half dozen people who either had PCOS or weren't sure if they had it. And they would tell me how little they were eating and how much they were exercising. There was a part of my training that leaned on, oh, you know, you're only supposed to believe that a person's eating a third of what, or that not a third, they're eating three times more than what they're telling you. Um, for some reason, I've held on to that amount, but you know, mm-hmm. after so many people say the same thing over and over again, like there's something to it, you know. And I, I encourage anybody to that works in healthcare to keep that in mind that it's they're telling the truth, like that's totally the
0: PCOS experience. And yeah. I, I wish we could change that somehow, yeah. Exactly, yeah. and I think it, it, it also turns turns it around in the patient mm-hmm. where they're they're second guessing themselves. They already maybe don't have a great relationship with their body, mm-hmm. and they're just trusting themselves less when they see this happening to them.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know a number of people who've been going to Mosaic, and the the difference is mind blowing. And and honestly, it's the type of experience that people are describing is what people who are experiencing thin privilege get all the time at the doctor where they're just like listened to and then given, given options to help any ailment. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who would have thought that would happen at the doctor's office? Right. Um, Yeah. And like it's dignity. That is thing. I'm like, it's dignified healthcare.
0: Who knew? Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. The thing that I love about mosaic, um, comprehensive care is that they, they don't take um, a weight. She's like, oh, it's just not a vital sign. And she being the doctor who runs the, the clinic, Dr. Metz. Um, and I, I think that just starts it out even so great, you know?
0: Yes, it does. It really changes things from when you enter the office until you leave. And I would say, even um, as a patient, I just I felt more listened to, and I felt more involved in the decisions around my health. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you mentioned before you found someone who was um, working to avoid weight stigma, but when you were seeing other healthcare providers, the avoidance of healthcare, and mm-hmm. um, that's one of the things I think is so dangerous about weight stigma with PCOS. And tell me about your experience with that. Like, just like what made you not want to
0: go to the doctor? Oh my gosh. Well, I had one that would just yell and she would, she would yell so often and I would make these appointments, these follow-up appointments and I didn't want to go. And I felt like it got to a a certain point where I was like, okay, this just isn't serving me at all. It Mm -hmm. wasn't, you know, I should have realized it earlier, but I think it's a really common theme among people with PCOS, especially among fat people with PCOS. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, and it, it, I hear this all the time too. I'm like, so many docs don't really know what they're doing with PCOS and dietitians. So like, mm-hmm. you know, so many of my clients with PCOS know so much more than me. And, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think that's just what the crummy part of it too is it's just healthcare providers yeah. just aren't keeping up to date on it. Exactly. Well, I want to pivot a little bit and go back to when you were diagnosed With PCOS, Mm -hmm. how did you tell your family and your loved
0: ones about this diagnosis? Yeah, so I took my time and I told them when I felt ready. And I also kept in mind that it was up to me to decide what I wanted to tell them and how I wanted to tell them. And so I think sometimes we can feel like there's pressure to be really transparent and tell everybody everything. But for me, it really felt like a case-by-case basis. And even now, since then, um, I share it as it comes up. I don't hide it from people intentionally. But I also feel like there are components of my PCOS that I don't need to tell everybody if I don't feel like they're a good supporter of my of my experience with my body.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's a a difference between um, keeping things private and keeping it secret.
0: Mm-hmm. you know and
1: it, what you're describing it sounds like to me tell me if i'm wrong but it sounds like it's just private at times you know you get to decide who you choose and yeah. um you know at the secret side tells is like to me is like a like a shameful kind of connection and yeah. um you know I, especially it's because it's about ovaries and um mm-hmm menstruating and, um, <laughs> yeah. and things that people often aren't talking about. I can see how for a lot of people it's just feels weird to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. Did you ever get a reaction from someone that surprised you when you told them that you had this?
0: Oh gosh. So the reactions are usually like one of two. <laughs> you, for Sometimes people just don't know what it is yeah, and they feel uncomfortable. They just don't ask about it. And sometimes you can see they're just kind of going along with the conversation And I understand that as someone who loves to talk, but (laughs) there are sometimes people know a little bit about PCOS and they want to throw all this information about it to you about something you have, and so those are usually the two reactions I get. Mm.
1: What do you like? What would you want people to do? Like, what would you prefer to be the reaction?
0: Um, Maybe listen. Mm -hmm. I would say listen a little bit before you share stuff. Mm -hmm. I would say. Um, if you don't have PCOS and you don't know much about it, you don't have to give me advice. Mm. <laughs> Thanks anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Like you'll ask if, yeah. if you want it. Yeah. Um, so how has the PCOS experience affected your relationship
0: with food? Yeah. So before I knew I had PCOS, um, I would say my, it still affected my relationship with food just from changes in my weight and not feeling great in my body. So there was lots of dieting. And then after my diagnosis, as I read a little bit about it, I thought, okay, carbs are the enemy, especially refined carbohydrates. So I just have to avoid them like the plague. And as we know, diets don't work. So that didn't really work out. Um, but overall, I just felt like I had to ignore how I felt Mm. and follow diets because that's the only way to treat my PCOS. And it really caused this harmful relationship with food where everything, every single thing I ate felt like it had this power to either help me or destroy me. Mm. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. You know, um, Evelyn Triboli, one of the co-authors of intuitive eating, she always says like, we live in this world that, people think food either kills us or cures us, you know, Mm -hmm. is that kind of the place you were in of like every bite? Holy crap. That's like way too much power for every (laughs) bite of food.
0: Um, Exactly.
1: Wow. Yeah. And of course diets don't work, but yet it's the primary recommendation or first line of treatment for PCOS. And, um, you know, whenever I read that anywhere, I'm like, well, what is this sustainable weight manage- management you talk about? <laughs> you know, like What is <laughs> yeah. this? Um, it's like the shiny unicorn that doesn't actually exist for most people. Exactly. Um, well, I would uh, appreciate that kind of relationship with food would affect your relationship with your body. And so tell me about how
0: the PCOS experience has affected
1: your relationship with your body.
0: Oh, gosh, there, there have been a lot of different phases. And so anybody that's listening, I would say that how it feels now isn't necessarily going to be how it feels in five or 10 years from now. And so there were lots of times that I felt disappointment. Then there were times that I learned more about body positivity, and it felt great. But I've also come to a place and this isn't this isn't my idea. I've heard this from a lot of other people, but I don't need to see everything about my body as beautiful for it to be worthy and for it to serve me well. Um, I really feel like beauty is just one component of existence. It's only one descriptor. And I feel like what my body does for me is about more than beauty. I don't know. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that people with PCOS aren't beautiful because come on, we know. I know how <laughs> it is. I know the PCOS folks. <laughs> we have some great and amazing, strong, beautiful people, but I also don't think that you have to feel beautiful to love who you are. Mhm.
1: Yeah, you know, I remember you wrote a blog post um in that PCOS blog series you did, which is outstanding. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, you mentioned the word worthy in one of them. And I don't know if you can remember which one. I'm totally putting you on the spot, but like <laughs> that resonated with so many people. Like so yes, many people.
0: Do. Yeah, which one was it? Do you remember? Oh, oh gosh. Oh wait, no, let me think. No, I, I don't remember the. We'll, blog put, it, post, we'll put it in the I, show notes. It, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. But yeah. um, I do remember I said that just because your body is different doesn't mean it's less worthy. Yeah. And so I think that's really important to keep in mind.
1: Yeah, there's so many people who were in obvious tears over their keyboard. Just was like it connected so, um, uh, just connected it in a way that filled a person in a way they needed to be filled. Like their their soul needed that information so deeply. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, and it, it, what is it about the PCOS experience that makes people feel like it makes their body then not worthy? You know, is that yeah. something
0: you've uh, connected with or like? Yeah. Know. yeah, no, there's a lot. I mean, I think that feeling different, feeling like you look different is one component. Also, I think of just the like menstrual irregularities. Oh, gosh, like it, feeling like your body is not doing this thing that everybody else is is doing. And then going on to fertility, there's so much stigma around that and this expectation that you have to be able to physically carry a child Um, There are so many things on its own. And then when you add in what healthcare providers tell people, what um, family members or friends may tell people, it just adds on more and more doubt to how worthy you are. Mm, mm -hmm.
1: I can remember uh, people have told me that experience PCOS that that, um, it makes them... If they're identifying as a female, like it makes them feel like less female, and that mm-hmm. led to some of that experience. And I feel like so much of the PCOS conversation is on fertility, which I know yeah. it is it's important, but it also sucks too because mm-hmm. that's not the whole part of it. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it is the number one cause of infertility, you know. But mm-hmm. that feeling of worth, you know, I wish there was a way for that just to be more a part of the conversation that you know experiencing and and experiencing this condition and um that doesn't take away your worth you know your Mm -hmm. body still has that worth so um you know I I think this is a really good segue to like body positivity or what you and I often say instead is like fat positivity. Um, (laughs) How do you how do you perceive PCOS um within body positivity or fat positivity?
0: Yeah. So for PCOS and other chronic conditions, I think it's really important to acknowledge all the emotions that come along with having a chronic condition. Um, I think that it would be great if we all felt happy and positive about our bodies all the time. But like I said before, like it's okay to feel like it's not what you want to happen. It's okay to feel sad and disappointed and to grieve what you wish would have happened. And so I think that making space for um, those negative, I guess, if you want to call them negative emotions, will help you feel more embodied. Mm -hmm.
1: And so if there's more of an embodiment, what do you see like that? How is that important then from your point of view?
0: Oh, gosh. I think that it's important for connection to other people, sincere connection. Then I also feel like it's important just for overall wellness. I mean, I want to say health, but I don't want to, health isn't everything, but I think it. I think it could improve your quality of life by just connection with others, connecting with how you experience food and movement, so many components of life.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it, uh, as a dietitian in training, like you are, and and mm-hmm. myself as a dietitian, we certainly I think something that we agree on is like health is not a moral issue. Yeah. You know, a health is just health. And um, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean a person's worth is more if they're exactly. healthier. And 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 mm-hmm. um as dietitians, you know, it's kind of part of the arena that we're we're talking about. And something mm-hmm. that I connect to um is that embodiment when a person is in a place where they feel connected to their body um i feel like it's closer to that worth then too you know Mm -hmm. um and not always maybe it's not always there or it's always accessible because of what's going on or because of oppressive Mm -hmm. uh, systems but yet um just that embodiment is um such a like almost like a a super highway to connect to things like worth and access to
0: dignified healthcare and, and things like that. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think that that embodiment really recognizes, well, it really kind of brings you to ask yourself, do you feel worthy in this moment? Do you feel worthy right now as you're listening to this podcast? Um, and so I think when you're feeling embodied, the answer is yes. Mm hmm. hmm.
1: Whether those
0: um, uncomfortable emotions
1: are there, whether yeah. there's systemic oppression there, you know, there's still that mm-hmm. internal belief of worth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you wish other dietitians or therapists or medical providers? What do you wish they knew about PCOS?
0: Gosh, I could go on for days. So we got, we got time. At. Nope. Okay, so, <laughs> so um, the first thing is that you need to know there are different types of PCOS. Um, maybe Julie can plug in the notes, uh, post that I wrote about this. So PCOS affects people differently. Aside from the four categories of PCOS, there's still lots of individual differences. So what works for one person shouldn't be um, advised for every person blindly. And I would also add that you have to consider how PCOS affects mental health. And there is some research on this. Um, And I know that it seems like some doctors are not comfortable discussing mental health with patients. But by neglecting to recognize this, you're harming the PCOS community. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, what about even therapists? Because I feel like Mm -hmm. I I wish therapists knew more about PCOS. And I get really excited when I talk to a therapist who has PCOS because I feel like, oh, they're going to get it. You know, how it's important to talk about or just be aware of what's going on with their PCOS experience. You know, what do you wish mental health providers knew about it?
0: Yeah, well, I would want them to know the increased risk of developing eating disorders. Mm -hmm. I would also want them to know that PCOS affects moods. And I know like I've been learning about this more recently is like the increased risk of having ADHD if you have PCOS. And even those who don't necessarily have all the classic ADHD symptoms may have some of them that are affecting their lives.
1: Yeah, I mean, whatever can affect the hypothalamus uh, can can be um, happening with PCOS, right? So yeah. it may not be like the typical ADD, but the there may be some parts of it that are being experienced. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things that I've picked up along the way is that um, that a mood disorder of some sort, which sometimes can be like ADD, um, mm-hmm. is oftentimes the very first symptom a person has mm-hmm. before they even yeah. go th- go through puberty when they have PCOS. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wish I wish mental health providers kind of understood how the origins of PCOS affects mood and then how the world treats a body Mm -hmm. that's experiencing PCOS can also uh, lead to like the body image stuff and the eating disorders and the worst, like we were talking about earlier. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, it sounds like we have a long list for them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the list is
0: ongoing for yes, now. <laughs>
1: yes. So I'll definitely put a, a link in the show notes to the different types of PCOS that you're talking about. It's a really, that's one of our most popular ones that you've written. So yeah, I'll put exactly. a, a link to that. So what was the best and worst
0: PCOS okay. advice you've ever gotten? Oh gosh. Okay. So the worst, <laughs> the worst was definitely that I should be gluten-free, have a gluten-free <laughs> diet. Oh my gosh. And gluten is just, it really is so good. <laughs> but so, Yeah. And I want to say that um, I feel like there's something about gluten that people think they're becoming a martyr when they kick it out of their diet voluntarily. And learning that a lot of the gluten-free foods were not really supportive to my PCOS, I would kind of recognize how I felt a few hours after eating them and I would have these energy crashes. And it was almost hard for me to believe because I was like, no, but this is gluten-free. <laughs> this has to be good. And so there was this layer of denial. Yeah. So that was the worst. Um, the best was actually from Julie and she encouraged that I um, observe how I feel after having different levels of fat or different amounts of fat in my dairy products. And I was really surprised to notice that I, when I would have dairy with higher fat content, I would feel more satisfied longer and I would feel almost like more energized longer. Hmm. So, and like, that's another thing. It goes against diet culture. Yeah. So you have yeah. to be able to listen to your body a little bit after eating to, oh. to kind of learn what diet culture taught, taught you doesn't necessarily work. Yeah. Well, thank you for the, um, I don't know,
1: the call out there. Thank you. <laughs> but, uh, but also, you know, the, it's interesting because like the higher fat dairy product, um, was that part of why the gluten-free stuff was not helpful to you? Was it, did it not have enough
0: fat in it? Maybe. Um, if that's just something that it, for your body that feels good. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure. I haven't really thought about yeah. it in great detail, but I'm also wondering just the protein because gluten yeah. is a protein. Um, yeah, yeah oh, but good I, don't, point. I don't know. Good point. And it's not, yeah, I'm not sure though exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I, I wish we knew more about PCOS. Like you said, like mm-hmm. I wish everyone knew that it comes down to such an individual experience. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I I feel like the best information the body's going to tell you. You know, exactly. so I'm excited that that kind of embodiment gave you that kind of feedback. So you just knew yeah. from now on that's just what felt best. So mm-hmm. not that one was bad or better, worse, whatever, just one felt better to you, so. Yeah. Yeah, so what tools are you using these days to navigate your mental and physical wellness with PCOS?
0: Yeah, so um, support from friends, from fat positive friends, <laughs> from my mentors, all of that's been very helpful for just kind of learning more about myself and how I can fit in this world as a fat person with PCOS. I've also found gentleness with myself and compassion to be really, really um, crucial to kind of combat a lot of the negatives, um, negative experiences around PCOS. So there are times that I feel really disappointed with diet culture and I feel really angry. And there are times where I feel like I need to release that anger. But then I also feel like I need to intentionally create create space for having like very calming time during the day for candles, maybe like some breathing, just sort of some some things to kind of bring me down, if that makes sense. I don't mm-hmm. mean like down as in like sad, but like mm-hmm. bring me down from feeling disappointed.
1: Yeah. And I think about it like physiologically, like bringing mm-hmm. it down. So your cortisol comes down or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah Cause like that, just having chaos um, it, all the time, that's something that's going to affect PCOS in a harder Mm -hmm. way. Yeah. So um, cool. Well, what have you learned about
0: PCOS that surprised you? Okay. So I don't know if the listeners already know this, but when I found this out, I was shook, so to speak. (laughs) So um, PCOS is likely to cause dry eyes. And when I found this out, I could not believe it because I've always had dry eyes and I just couldn't believe it. I remember reading this twice I was like, no, what's going on? Are you serious? And so it just explained so much for me. Um, so I actually recently spoke to my eye doctor about this and he was like, you know, well, you do wear the Cadillac of contact lenses. And I was like, wait, what? And he said that... Um, um, a lot of times when people at PCOS, like they need it to wear contact lenses that best support their, eye, their dry eyes. And so like this whole time I've had these contact lenses that are healthier to, I guess, for dry eyes, I'm mm. not sure if it's making sense. It does, but, yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, um, because
1: part of the whole dry eye thing, when I started mm. reading about it, I'm like, "Are you freaking kidding me? Not another body part that's affected <laughs> by this?" <laughs> um, did you find your eye doctor to be knowledgeable about PCOS? No, okay.
0: <laughs> it, it was one of those situations where I, I'm not sure if he was just going along or not, but okay. he was really nice. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, give him that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he was really funny. So that's always good. <laughs> that <is> good.
1: <laughs> so go back to that. Um, what was it? 19 year old Kimmy getting the diagnosis, the pamphlet thrown at you and, and that bomb of like, oh yeah. So you may not be able to have kids. Um, mm-hmm. What would you, what would you want to tell yourself to that 19 year old Kimmy? What would you like to, to tell her?
0: So the first thing is that it's okay to listen to your body. I would also want to educate that 19-year-old that PCOS affects more than your fertility, so it's important to pay attention to, but not in a way that's scary or threatening, but just in a way that it's important to be curious, to trust, and learn more about yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, if only like that
0: connection stayed
1: forever for everyone, you know that <laughs> like it's okay to listen to your body, you can still trust it. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, Any other information that you were wanting to to talk about with PCOS? Or do you feel like, did you check all your boxes? I think (laughs) I checked my boxes. (laughs) Good. Well, thank you so much for your time and, and telling us about your lived experience. No problem. Thank you, Julie. Kimmy, I am so glad that we were able to have this chat. It was so wonderful to hear about your lived experience. And thank you so much for sharing it with the listener. And if a listener is wanting to know more about your work, you know, especially if they're listening to this and it's like a year from now and you're a dietitian, and they want to find out how they can get to know your work, where's a place for people to find that?
0: Yeah, they can check out my blog at tastingabundance.com and they can also find me on Instagram. Um, My handle is tastingabundance. Awesome. And you know, this
1: is kind of a bittersweet experience right now that I'm connecting to at the moment, Kimmy, because your interview, your chat was the last chapter of our PCOS and food piece series. Ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm so feeling sad. sad. I know <laughs> this has been such a fun project to work on with you. And mm-hmm. as we close this chapter and end the series, I'm also connecting to, like, you know, part of why we wanted to do this project was because we wanted to shine the light on voices that a lot of people don't hear from when they talk about PCOS. And we didn't shine a light on all the people we wanted to shine a light on. I mean, we have mm-hmm. to just own it. But what are your, what are your initial thoughts? Like Who, who could we, inc- we include to make this a more inclusive series?
0: Yeah, I feel like there are so many groups. I mean, I hope it. I hope we don't leave anyone out. But like, maybe people from the trans community, people who um, consider like non-binary gendered, and also, um, I would love to hear from about somebody who's much older that has PCOS. Yes, um, for sure. And also, I think like like various nationalities. Um,
1: yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Julie? I was thinking the same thing. Like, I feel like. Um, people from different countries, people who have bodies who um, are disabled, and um, you know they're struggling with that part of their PCOS experience, or just that's just their lived experience. Um, I think that would have added um, another voice that's often missed. I don't know. I don't know. Like as time goes on, maybe we can do another series. I mean, I think it's something to consider, and we can include those voices. So if you identify with uh, a lived experience that's different than Kimmy and I got a chance to to shine a light on. Let us know, like we would love to connect with you. And you know, as we think about what's next for this PCOS and Food Peace podcast, because this is the last chapter. But who knows? Maybe there's another book, you know. <laughs> so maybe we can <laughs> do more with it. But we definitely want to continue the the work of helping more voices to come through. And you know, one of the things that I know that um, I'm working really hard on is when I first started working with people with PCOS, I would always say women with PCOS. I always, I said, uh, females and things like that. And mm-hmm. that's something that I know you, Kimmy and I, we've talked a lot about like, what's a more inclusive way. And so we've decided that people with PCOS, um, just including people who don't identify as female is uh, something that we find to be, we, we really want is that's important to us. And, um, because, um, Different voices need to also have access to healing and hope, and non-diet mm-hmm. ways of treating PCOS, and um, they shouldn't be excluded. So, so yeah, that maybe that's just something to think about. But again, if you are someone that has a different lived experience. We would love to connect with you. And um, if you would like to stay connected to the podcast and just the work that we're doing, make sure to follow Kimmy on Instagram at Tasting Abundance and I'm at Food Peace Dietician. And also just go to PCOS and com slash podcast and you'll stay in the loop. But until next time, we're signing off. Take care, friends. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the PCOS and Food Peace Podcast. Do you want more Food Peace Go to PCOS slash podcast for a free download. It's your first three steps toward Food Peace with PCOS. There, you can also enter in a drawing for a free trial of Avocetol. That's a 90-day supply. Again, go to PCOS and slash podcast. Thank you for listening. The PCOS and Food Peace podcast was created by Julie Duffy Dillon and Kimmy Singh. Audio editor was Toby Lyles from 24 Sound. Show art by Katie Sanders from Pop and Gray. Music was by Tiny Music entitled Super Pop. Show notes were by Laura King. Thank you for listening. We hope this episode empowers you to experience more food peace.